the church in Antioch. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. This is the word of the Lord. The cross. It's one of the most famous symbols in the world. We're used to seeing it on churches, on the covers of books and Bibles, worn as jewellery, or even on the bumper stickers of cars. But the early church didn't use the symbol very much. They talked about the cross, of course, about its life and death message, but they didn't depict it in their art. For the early church, of course, the cross was still an instrument of torture and execution. The cities in which they lived had permanent crucifixion sites where victims were being killed on a daily basis. Many of the members of the early church followed their leader and died on the cross. Perhaps that's why the earliest Christian art features different images. Anchors, fish, doves, pictures of life. In fact, the first person to draw a picture of Jesus on a cross was not a Christian at all. In the late second century, someone scratched a crude picture into the plaster on the wall of a room in Rome. The picture shows a man being crucified and surprisingly, the crucifixion victim has the head of a donkey. Below him is a boy apparently raising his hand to worship this strange creature and underneath the artist has written in Greek, Alexamenos Sebetetheon, Alexamenos worships his god. Now, it's a childish drawing, which is appropriate enough because it was probably done by a schoolboy. The building was once used as a boarding school for imperial page boys, and we can imagine how this drawing originated. In this school, there was a boy called Alexamenos, and there was something different about Alexamenos, something which caused his schoolmates to taunt and maybe even bully him, something which made them draw mocking pictures on the wall. Alexamenos was weird. Alexamenos was a Christian. It should come as no surprise that the first known picture of Jesus on the cross is a cruel mockery because Jesus warned his followers that they'd be mocked and insulted. They would be singled out and ridiculed and called names. Names like, well, like Christian. Acts chapter 11 tells us of the beginning of the church in Antioch in Syria. Christianity is spreading by now, well outside the confines of Judea and Samaria and Galilee. As they flee the persecution in Jerusalem, followers of Jesus go to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. And far from being destroyed or crushed, the church starts to grow. It especially takes root in Antioch, so much so that Barnabas is sent from HQ to, to oversee things. He recruits Saul, or Paul as he'll soon be better known, and the church flourishes. And then you get to Acts 11 verse 26, which contains this tiny but very significant historical fact. It was in Antioch, Luke writes, that the disciples were first called Christians. 
It sort of passes us by this verse. You know, of course they were called Christians. That's what they were always called, wasn't it? Well, no. Back in Jerusalem, they were called by different names, Nazarenes, or perhaps the Eboni, which means the poor. And the way of life they followed was not called Christianity in those times. It was called simply the way. Indeed, later on in Acts, the Roman procurator Felix is described as being particularly well-informed about the way. But in Antioch, they called them Christians. Now, where did they get that from? Well, the people of Antioch were a cosmopolitan bunch, and they had a strong sense of their own superiority. Antioch was, after all, the third greatest city in the Roman Empire. And they were renowned also for their scurrilous wit and invention of nicknames. And you see, that's what this name is. It's a nickname. As the people in Antioch became aware of this growing movement, some wit in an Antioch bar or or reclining at a banquet or, or somewhere like that invented the name Christiani. It's clever, really. It's a mix of two Greek words. The Greek word Christ, meaning anointed one, a name Jesus' followers certainly used. But it's also a pun on the word Christos, which means good or useful, and which was a common name given to slaves. So you see how this works. According to the barbed wit of the people in Antioch, Jesus' followers were the Christiani, good little slaves, followers of Christ. And even though they meant it as an insult, the name stuck. As I said, Jesus warned his followers that this kind of thing would happen. Blessed are you, he said, when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And over the years, thousands, perhaps millions of Christians have been blessed in this way. Christians like Sam. Sam was raised as a Muslim in the Philippines. And then everything changed when he found a copy of the Gospels in his grandfather's house and Sam became a Christian. And when his school friends found out, well, boy, did they go to town, the insults flew, friendships were withdrawn. There were times during classes when when kids would throw their shoes at him. They wrote stuff on his uniform, filled his bag with sand, bullied him, punched him. One day, one of his former friends yelled at him, you Christians are filthy, Christians are garbage. Sam wanted to fight back, but he didn't. He found some help in an Open Doors discipleship program for young Christians from Muslim background. And and he tried to live out the commands of Jesus, to love his enemies, to bless and not to curse. And, And even when he left school, he still thought of his old friends from time to time, and he prayed for them. When I remember my old friends, my heart breaks, he said. I lost them. And though they turned out to be my enemies, I I don't hate them. Instead, I pray for them that one day they will meet my Lord Jesus and be changed. It's an everyday story, nothing special really, but it shows that not much has changed in 2,000 years since Alexa Menos was getting pretty much the same treatment in Rome. Every day around the world, Christians get insulted, abused and lied about. In many places where Christians are the minority, followers of Jesus are the targets of lies, abuse and innuendo. One of the most extreme examples of this is Pakistan, where fabricated testimony and unfounded accusations of blasphemy can see Christians locked up or even killed. In Pakistan, Christians are called by the Urdu word Isai, derived from Issa, the Arabic word for Jesus. Now, it sounds okay, but it's a bit of a put-down. It's associated with unclean professions, demeaning occupations done by the lowest castes. 
And these people are so vulnerable. In Pakistan recently, a couple were reportedly burned to death in a kiln. Their crime? Well, they were Christians. And because they came from a low status background, because they couldn't read or write or defend themselves, they were just disposable. They didn't matter. Christianity is seen as disreputable, low status, attracting only the lowest of the low. And there's a very good reason for that. It's true. Christianity does attract the poor and the outcasts and the humble and the weak by the very simple reason that God loves them. The fact is that around the world, people who have no place in their society, no hope in their governments, people who have been told that they are on the lowest rung of the ladder and that's where they will always be, these are the very people who find out they have a brother and a Lord who is willing to become one of them so that they become one with him. They find out that Jesus is on their side, that no matter what status society gives them, Jesus calls them sister and brother, and no wonder they think that's good news. That's a very powerful and very dangerous message because it challenges the status quo. It challenges the way that the wealthy and the powerful see the world. No wonder these people are attacked and victimized. No wonder they're abused. And we should expect to be mocked and looked down on the same. I mean, that's what people do when their worldview is threatened. But it doesn't mean we're helpless. There is much we can do to counter these messages. We can give people the tools to defend themselves. Not weapons, but information, knowledge. That's why Open Doors partners with literacy projects and employment training. And why we train Christians to defend their beliefs. And above all, we can pray for those who persecute and pray for the strength to show Christ in these moments. Paul, a man who probably attracted more insults than most, wrote that he could be content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecution and calamities for the sake of Christ, for whenever I am weak, then I am strong. That's the history of Acts 11 verse 26. The people in Antioch thought they were being witty and clever, but 2,000 years later, there were more followers of Jesus in the world than ever before, and they all wear with pride the name that those in Antioch thought was a put-down. They're all called Christian. Alexa Menos worshipped Jesus even when people mocked him. Christians, good little slaves. I wonder if you've ever faced insults because you're a Christian. I was told that I'd been brainwashed when I first became a Christian. People feared that I joined a cult. I said, no, it's the Church of England. I've seen uh, young people crying in youth groups because of the way people had treated them for their faith. Jesus warned his followers that they'd be mocked and insulted. He said that before people followed him, they should count the cost. Count the cost because people might insult us for being Christians. I wonder if we've ever counted that cost that Jesus asked us to count. If you're being insulted at the moment for being a Christian, then Jesus says you are blessed. Well, will you respond like Sam? He was insulted. He even had people throw shoes at him, but he responded with love and prayers. If you're watching this, then thinking, well, I'm not a Christian, but why would I want to be a Christian when people could insult me for being a Christian? 
Well, maybe if you're thinking that, then you'll remember what was said about the poor and the outcast who discover there is someone who loves them. God loves them. They may have no place in society, but they find they have a brother and a Lord who is willing to become one of them. Jesus is on your side. Jesus calls you brother and sister. Maybe that's somebody that you would want to get to know. So we should expect to be mocked, to be looked down on. But we're not helpless. Please remember that this week. If you're in a place where you feel it's hard to be a Christian, maybe it's hard to stand up for what's right in the place that you are. Maybe you do get insulted or people just laugh at you. We're not helpless there. We can pray even for those who persecute us. Whenever I am weak, I am strong. More Christians than ever before still wear the name that they got first in Antioch. We are Christians.